Welcome to Crank Up the Volumes, a podcast all about children's books and literature. I'm joined today by first-time author Beatrice Wallbank and Tiernan Org Awards-winning author Claire Fayers, two authors who have brilliantly combined myths and legends with modern middle-grade fiction. Thank you both so much for joining me. Now then, before we get started on combining myths, mythology and current middle-grade fiction, Beatrice, your new book, The Sleeping Stones, is your first book. How was the process of writing that and getting published? I mean, I really enjoyed the writing process. Obviously, when I was writing it, I had no idea that it would be picked up. Um, and it was something that I'd been working on, on and off amongst other projects for um, four four years, I think, before it was picked up. Wow. Um, and uh, it was very exciting uh, to to finally have something picked up and to to be able to see that see the publishing process was really interesting as well um and and uh yeah find out sort of how it all worked <laughs> and how did it work for you so when I was about 18 I started sort of sending things to publishers and sending things to agents wow. um and I kept doing that um on and off whilst also going and studying history and working as a stage manager in theatre um and um in 2017 I um signed with my lovely agent Abby Sparrow at SP Literary Agency and she picked she actually picked me up with a story that has not yet seen the light of day and definitely I definitely feel that it needs lots more work on it now Um, but this was the second book that I sent into her and Firefly Press um, picked up the story um, and decided to publish it. When Firefly got their hands on this book was it pretty much as it is now or? It hasn't nothing major has changed Um, I've had two fantastic editors um, Janet Thomas and uh, Rebecca F John have been Mm. um, really brilliant eagle-eyed and and spotting spotting sort of like continuity and also mm. I have a tendency to waffle uh, and like sort of just just making making my story um, more coherent I suppose um, and 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 making sure that it was really um, driving forwards all the time uh, but yeah nothing nothing major changed but but lots and lots of fantastically useful and helpful line editing happened mm. um, from my lovely editors. It's a very impressive first novel. There's a lot of story in it you've got your modern day life on an island and elements of myths and legends how did you go about deciding if or where there was a border between the modern and the the mythological element so I've always loved stories that um that are set in a modern setting in a sort Mm. of contemporary setting for whenever the person was writing so some of the stories I really love were written in the 60s so obviously Mm. the the contemporary setting is is not my contemporary but it feels very contemporary um the characters are very real and have very real world um things going on for them but then within that the landscape starts to bubble up with its legends and the mythology um sort of comes into the contemporary real world existence of the characters I've loved those kind of stories myself growing up and a lot of the things I I start wanting to write are quite often similar mm. like I, I'll be usually inspired by landscape to start with um uh but but I really love the idea of um yeah the legends all being there sleeping and waiting to wake up into the the contemporary world that we live in now and you, Claire, have done a very similar thing in Stormhound, which is in Abergavenny. And then you've got oh, the big storm and the hound. 
how did that come about for you? Yes, that was very much. The book actually came about because one day I was trying to write something completely different. <laughs> I was just brainstorming new ideas for things. And the first chapter just suddenly came out of my head. And the, the whole of the first bit was storm running across the sky and then crash landing into Abu Ghraib. And then I just put it to one side because I wasn't sure it's the sort of thing my agent would like. Sent her a few other things that she didn't like. And I said, well, I've got this thing as well that sort of just came out of nowhere. She said, well, that was rather good. <laughs> and so then, of course, I had to write the rest of it and plan it properly. And I just thought, what would happen if some creature out of a legend flashed into the sort of well, yeah, the Welsh town where I, I, mean, I live just outside Abergavenny now. So it was the area that I knew well. It's my home territory. I thought, mm. what if something crashed here? And we're strutting about saying, I'm this big, important thing, pay attention. And people are going, nah, don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea just came out of that, of just having a clash between the, the world of myth and our modern world where everybody is just very practical and down to earth and mm -hmm. far too sensible to believe that something is really magical. Yes, and you, Beatrice, have got Fionn who's far too sensible to believe that magical things can happen. Was it deliberate for you to have a, a, she's not a naysayer, but she's overly eager to believe that it's magical. Was that important for you? Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to um, to have a, a voice in there that was not sort of, I didn't want to sort of suggest that that because the characters all live on this island that has so many legends Mm. in it that they're all going to believe that those legends are real and and actually real rather than going oh that's a great story to explain that particular rock being in that place <laughs> so I wanted there to be um I didn't want everyone to just sort of automatically assume that once weird stuff started happening it was supernatural because we always try and find the the sort of the logical explanations first before we start looking looking a bit further usually I must you know we're going full on myths and legends now, Claire. Your lovely Welsh fairy tales, myths and legends book. How was that for you? Re well, not rewriting, but retelling these traditional tales for today's young readers. Oh, that was so much fun to do. I had started delving into some of it when I was writing Stormhound because I was mm. looking at our local folklore. And for example, we, we've got the Mount Skirid here, which comes to the Welsh word Ystrid because the mountain is almost like split in half. There's a big chunk missing. Ystrid means split. And there are lots of stories about how that ended up that way. And there are other characters out of myth that sort of wandered into Stormhound. So I was doing a lot of that research anyway. And then lockdown happened. And at the same time, Scholastic got in touch with me and said they were looking for a Welsh author oh. to do the, the next one in their series of folk tales and legends from mm. around the world. They wanted the Welsh fairy tales, myths and legends, and they said, would I be interested? I thought, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent the first three or four months of lockdown sitting at the computer, digging up old manuscripts and essays from old Eisteth Rodai in the, in the past. Gosh, you went right back about the Welsh then. folklore and finding little snippets of things that I could then expand out. Some of them come from the, the better-known stories mm. from the Mabinogion and other better known legends. Some of them, you've really only got a sort of snippet, like there were little goblins in the coal mines who used to knock to show the miners where the best coal were, or mm. one of them about danger. There, there's no real story associated. So I got to make up my entire 
for a new story about that. And it was really a lot of fun to do. Yeah, that sounds like a brilliant way to spend the beginning of lockdown. <laughs> How about you and research, Beatrice? Did you Was it all things that you knew or did you go back to books and other things to dig deeper? Uh, so I really love reading Mm. Um, of myths and legends I really I'm I'm study medieval history so I get very excited about old stuff generally whether it's whether it's something that that's pretty <laughs> certain to have actually happened or whether it's something that's maybe a little bit more embellished and the the particular in the sleeping stones um, there's two characters who are from Welsh uh, actual Welsh myth because some of the mythology I have sort of made up and created based on a general soup of mythology that I have taken in over my life every time I read stories that particularly ones where landscape is really important and rocks or trees or things like that in the landscape have stories about them and I made my own story but two characters are actually from um, Old Welsh legend they are Dullan Ildon and uh, Gavanon who is a blacksmith um, and Dullan Ildon is uh, has an affinity with the sea um, and in the Mabinogion he gets one paragraph in which he jumps into the sea takes on the sea's nature swims as well as the best fish of the sea um, and was killed by a blow from his uncle and in other poems his uncle is Gavanon um, and it's one of the three unfortunate blows of of old Welsh stories because everything has to come in threes so absolutely one of the things I love about all of those tales is that so Gavanon only I think in the Mabinogion only appears like in that more well-known collection of stories appears once in Kilochak Olwen mm. um but like but we know about these characters in glimpses in poetry and in other people's stories so Dullinar Dawn appears in the story that also has um uh, with and Lleislaugafes mm. and they are the kind of the known part of the story but he's actually Slay's brother but because we don't really know anything else about him um, he's just a glimpse um, and I, I love old legends where you can tell that the audience who originally heard those stories would have had a whole wealth of background knowledge. Whenever mm. somebody was mentioned, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from the other story where this happens um, that we've kind of lost. And I love trying to sort of um, having fun filling in some of the gaps that we've that have been created by time. What would you say are the main or most important features of a good myth or legend? And this is to both of you. For me, I really love stuff that's connected to landscape um, and where it feels like uh, where, where there's a certain place that has a particular story told about it and origin stories, uh, like Claire mm. was saying, um, like those kind of stories that, that are in uh, her, her collection of um, yeah places that are very connected to the landscape. So I think for me, that's really important. And then everything else, it's is kind of things that feel like there's a sort of earthy truth in them. <laughs> um, Ooh, I'm writing that one down, <laughs> which is a very wibbly way of saying uh, uh, stuff that just kind of feels quite universal, I suppose, even if it feels also very alien at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Claire? Well, yeah, I, I well, I agree with all of that. Eh? One of the things I especially loved about Beatrice's book was the way that the even the bits in the legend that she made up, and because I've studied these things as well, because I, I knew which bits came from actual folklore and which mm. bits were from the gaps. 
and the bit she she fills in the gap so skillfully that the mm. whole thing feels like it's an ancient ancient story even though it's a mix of old and new and that was just done really really well and I think yes, a lot of my stories depend on the landscapes as well. I I, I love the way that in Wales you will sort of point at something. Oh, you you see that mountain over by there? That mm. that that's where the devil played cards with Giant Jack. And, <laughs> and so, so you you've got these actual places that tales have grown up around, which is great. And I think the other thing with the the myths is the characters. All the characters are so much larger than sometimes literally larger than life because we get a lot of giants in welsh myth who nevertheless seem to build a fit in in houses and right yeah. many two and things as well it's a sort of flexible size i think these giants have but these the characters once you meet them they, they, they are unforgettable mm. and they, they just spring out of the stories and i think that's why they are so great for sort of even the, the minor characters you pick them up put them into other stories they, they they can just appear in so many different adventures because they've got the the sort of weight that they they can carry a, a lot of story with them. If you could meet a mythological character to have a nice cup of tea with and a chat, who would you choose? Oh, <laughs> this is such a hard question. I I am definitely going with Caridwen. She appears in Stormhound. And my yes. modern version of Caridwin rides a motorbike and has got piercings all over. And I loved that motorbike. And she, is, she is really, she is great. And yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to yeah, yeah, sit down in the cafe and have, have a good cup of tea with her. So definitely her. I really, I mean, Dalinar Dawn, I really love his character. Um, I think he's really interesting. I'm, I really love anything to do with the sea. And he was mm-hmm. clearly a very important sea character, um, possibly a very early sea deity. And also Rhiannon um, mm. from the branches of the Mabinogi, because she's a, she's pretty cool. <laughs> she She's a very interesting character who has a very interesting life. Yes, I think, yes, Rihanna. I, 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 I seem to be going with all the women, because definitely there's Rihanna. nothing wrong with I that. I love the way that when... Rhiannon turns up, she is about to be married off to somebody that she doesn't like. And so she basically just gets on her horse, rides off to another country, which happens to be Wales, finds this prince and proposes to him. And it's great so for a woman in in those kinds of stories where women are often passive. She just goes out and she says, yeah, I'm just going to sort my own life out. Thanks very much. So, yeah. She, yeah. Would I get into trouble if I said I would add the devil to my tea party? <laughs> Absolutely well, not. Yeah. But the Welsh devil isn't the sort of biblical devil or, or the sort of really, he's more of the trickster character. So he's more the equivalent of Anansi or Loki. And he's forever making silly bets with Welsh people and generally losing because he seems to be not that bright. <laughs> so I, I think it might be fun to have him along as well. Can I invite myself along to this tea party? Please? It sounds like a Definitely. great mix. So we know who's coming. Are there any myths that you wish you could have been in? I've always really liked the stories about Merlin before he became Merlin. So sort of mm-hmm. like Merlin as a child um, and the the sort of the one in which he, Vortigern, King Vortigern is trying to build a castle and uh, Merlin gets brought there as, as a child without a father. And he's originally meant to be a sort of sacrifice, but but being Merlin, he's he is able to solve the mystery of the hell, which has a, a red and white dragon inside, and uh, which are fighting and, and making the 
the castle the Vortigern is trying to build fall down. I really like stories about people we know are going to be really powerful <laughs> in the future. So like mm. as a as a sort of origin story as well. And we know he's going to end up being this really powerful person. But at the start, he's this small boy having adventures. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I've always really liked yeah, those kind of those kind of tales. I think they'd be, I don't know if I'd want to be in them. Be a bit dangerous being yeah. world stories. <laughs> there is that lovely yeah. one of the um, the people who discover King Arthur's cave because because you've got the legend that he didn't completely die; he was badly injured, and then mm. they put him in magical sleep, and he's sleeping somewhere with his knights in a cave somewhere in Wales. And there are a couple of different stories in which somebody finds the cave, and usually there's a lot of gold there, and they try and steal the gold, and it it all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> Because you should. So, if you ever find a cave full of sleeping knights, don't pick any gold up from the floor, even if it looks nice and, and tempting. That's, so, that's, that's really cool. But I love that idea that there is something incredible that's hidden right under our feet if we knew where to look for it and, and mm-hmm. how, to, how to get there. And which brings me nicely back to landscape, which I was going to ask you, Beatrice, next. Your island, I am correct in saying it's not a real island, it's one that you've. Yeah. created isn't it yeah amalgamation yeah oh 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 it's an amount because I was thinking I have an idea of what it looks like in my head but where have you combined to make your island so so sort of the feel of it is amalgamation the, the, the island it's the sort of like the shape and the way that the it's laid out and things is completely uh created for the story if that makes mm. sense but yeah but then within that the feel of being in parts of that island are all um they're inspired by um spending a lot of time on the west coast on holidays mm. um, it's usually what what we did when I was younger was um so I live in mid Wales um oh. so we'd just go west and go to the sea <laughs> and yeah. um and go to sort of rocky wild places and and uh, with with um windswept beaches and and uh so yeah it's inspired by the lots of different places that I visited nice. um, rather than specifically on a completely different topic your readers Claire you have published lots of books and you've gone into schools I've seen you talking to school pupils and you are fabulous what is your readers response to your books they have been really really lovely because I, I love going to schools and I find that generally, if kids don't like your book, they will actually say, I read your book and it was rubbish, miss. But <laughs> most of the time, and especially with the Welsh stories, they get so excited to find out that there are stories about mm. the places where they live and, and the sorts of, yeah, the, the areas that they know well. I will always try and find a local story if I don't have one in the book already that I can tell them when they're going somewhere. And, and yeah, and the kids are absolutely fantastic. And I will get them to write sequels to the stories and say, like, how about putting this character in a different story? What's going to happen to them next? And things. Oh, that is brilliant. They are great. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish there were more books of, of well stories, really. Wow. Get writing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, I have seen that you have a new one coming soon, Claire. There the, is the a new Yes, it's a sci-fi, but it's a sci-fi that starts off in Swansea, where Swansea is the capital of the world and has its own spaceport. Excellent. 
and people sail through space in there's a big river through space and people sail across the river in submarines because they can't just do normal sci-fi of course there's a bit of greek myth thrown into it as well oh i was going to ask is that oh you've got these fantastic sort of archetypal stories these ones that you can use as a template for anything mm. and the the sci-fi it's called tapa watson and the quest for the nemo machine and Ooh. i took jason and the golden fleece as an outline for it because i wanted the big quest story brilliant and so they're going off in a submarine the submarine's called the boldly goes and they're going <laughs> off looking for this Nemo machine that can actually save my my heroine's father from it. He's losing all of his memories. Oh. Um, yeah, and there are little nods to Greek myth all the way through. So that that was fun, just seeing where I could squeeze bits in where maybe some people wouldn't notice, but yeah, some of them will, and they'll get the joke. Ah, sneaky! Excellent. I like it. That was brilliant. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it already. Thanks. <laughs> So Beatrice, this your book is brand new. In that short time it's been out, have you had positive reactions? I hope you've had positive reactions for it because it's very good. Yes, I have. It's been really lovely, actually. Um, it's been it's one of those things that sort of didn't really feel very it didn't really feel like it was actually happening. And then I had a book launch and that helped me realise that actually mm. it was happening. And I um and I, I've been into some local schools and um done some really really fun workshops with um with kids there and that's been really lovely because I didn't know I've never I haven't done that much actively standing in front of children and engaging them before um but and and I didn't know how I how I'd feel about it but actually I've had a really lovely time and I hope they have too and I have had some nice sure they will and um yeah I've had and I've had some really nice comments from from readers and um and brilliant on the internet and in person and it's been yeah really very exciting really exciting and really lovely that that people are getting something from my story (laughs) um I think and have you got anything else in the pipeline? I am. I mean, I am. I'm, I'm kind of always working on at least one thing. Um, and that's just sort of been how I've been mm. since I started writing when I was about seven. <laughs> so there's always something on the go. And at the moment, the one that's sort of taking up most of my time is is uh, it's a different sort of feel. It's mm. it's a more 8 to 12 ad- adventure. I've always loved the idea of uh, skyships of the kind of like full blown boat with sails, but in the air style type, type of story. And as, and so I'm sort of doing my own my own take on on that sort of an, that sort of story. And it's it's an adventure story following two sort of tweens um, who mm. are who are uh, captain and first mate on their own on their own boat. And and then I'm, I've also got some ideas for sort of ones that have a little bit more of a feel of, of the sleeping stones that atmosphere of mythology in a contemporary world um the, the skyships one is definitely sort of more a whole whole fantasy world um, rather mm-hmm. than contemporary setting <laughs> would you say that sci-fi and mythology go they're not massively dissimilar i think they go together really well oh thank goodness think, for that yes because our early these sort of old myths and legends they were told by people who didn't really know what was sort of across the bit of sea basically it's anything mm. past the horizon you could have anything so you could go across the sea you could find giants you could find dragons you could find monsters because now we know exactly what our world is like so mm. 
to get the same thing, we've got to go further afield. So we go into space and we find alien monsters and alien giants and alien dragons. I mean, so I think it's um, it's carry on a lot of those stories about going out and adventuring and exploring and on um, the big quests through vast distances that you get in a lot of the old myths. Well, Claire, Beatrice, thank you so much for such a brilliant and interesting chat. I really enjoyed getting to know your books a little bit more and getting to know you more. Beatrice Wallbank's brand new The Sleeping Stones is out now. Go and read it. And Claire Fay is a Stormhound and Welsh Fairy Tales, Myths and Legends and plenty of other books are also available. Go read them all. They're available in your libraries and your local bookshops. So go, 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 go. <laughs> <laughs>